Media at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. I did wonder last night uh, what would be the big stories uh, in the Sunday papers as we know often. It's it's a tradition, of course. Sunday papers sort of hold back news until Sunday because it's the absolute seller on the front page. I don't quite know what they are because I haven't quite read all the Sunday papers. But I know there's some interesting developments around FIFA which we'll touch on in a minute or two. What we're talking about on the media show is all about sponsorship because, you know, sponsors advertising key to the running of just about everything and certainly with sport more so. Now, a lot of what we're talking about at 9 o'clock is about FIFA, but it's not exclusively FIFA. It's sport in general. And I'm asking the question, in the light of what's happened with FIFA, and just think about the IPL, remember that, and Cricket South Africa's and the implications thereof, and there could be a whole lot more around that as well. Should sponsors therefore have a greater influence um, over, over sports governance? I mean, they don't own the sport literally, but, but should they have a greater influence in terms of what actually goes on within those sports? Or else should they then withdraw their sponsorship? That's what we're talking about, effectively the influence of sponsorship over sport or in sport. Three guests the, that I have, Michael Goldman is with me, who's the assistant professor at the University of uh, San Francisco, as well as member of the adjunct faculty at uh, Gibbs. Michael, good chatting to you once again. Good, uh, it's almost like, what, good evening, somewhere in between, I think, isn't it? Hi. Somewhere in between Ashraf. Yes, good morning. Good to join you again. Yes, indeed. Okay, we also have Calvin Watt, who's the executive chairman of uh, Rapucom South Africa. Calvin, appreciate your time. Once again, hi. Thanks, Ashraf, and nice to hear from you, Michael. Thank you. And James Monteith is with us in studio. He's the CEO of the Sports uh, Industry Awards, South African Sports Industry Awards. That is, James, appreciate your time. Hi. Hi, Ashraf. Good. In fact, M- Michael, before we move on, let, let me just start with you, uh, as we just to tell others as well. Of course, all throughout the next two hours, we talk brand communications, advertising, uh, and issues around journalism. But you can call in 0891-104207. Throughout the show, you can tweet at Ashraf Gandhi. Do use the hashtag media show. You can SMS to 34701. Michael, you just have some very quick news regarding some latest developments around, around FIFA and South Africa, right? Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely. It's kind of breaking as we speak. Uh, Twitter is a wonderful thing. Uh, great to connect to you, James and Calvin. Um, yes, uh, Ashraf, uh, news uh, being broken by the BBC uh, this morning uh, around uh, the alleged $10 million transferred um, by FIFA on South Africa's behalf uh, and documents suggesting that $4.86 million of that uh, went to JTA Supermarkets, which is one of the biggest retailers in Trinidad and Tobago at what's called the Carlton Center in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and the suggestion from the BBC reporters is that uh, that many money was then uh, essentially paid out in local currency uh, to Jack Warner, uh, along with the $1.6 million that went to pay off some credit cards and some personal loans. So really, as uh, every hour goes by, um, our friends, the journalists, are tracking down mm-hmm. and uncovering more information uh, around this uh, okay. very sorry story. Well, well, do tweet the information to me. I'd love to know. And what you're saying is they have documentary evidence to confirm what they've just said. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, as you would have seen over the last 24 hours, uh, the world's media has descended on Trinidad and Tobago trying to find Jack Warner and, and now trying to find all the documentary evidence behind perhaps the diaspora uh, legacy uh, program and fund uh, that, uh, that SAFA and, and South Africa invested in. Okay, with that in mind, we know not just FIFA, but the sport in general, some monies are earned from gate takings and other forms of memorabilia, but a, a massive amount will come from TV, uh, TV rights and, and other sponsorship. With that in mind, therefore, Michael, your thoughts on that question, you know, should Sports, should sponsors, in fact, have a greater say over the governance of sports? What's your thoughts? 
I think it's a very tough question that many sponsors face. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't think there's a very clear right or wrong answer here. You know, at the end of the day, one of the ways I think about this is that it's a brand partnership. It's a partnership between two brands, uh, which could mean brand risks and brand rewards. And as with any partnership, any investment made from the sponsor side, that requires three things. And so what I would offer to the conversation to start with is it requires strong due diligence. And I, I think we've seen some brands step up uh, and do much better due diligence over the last few years. It requires active management, and that really goes to your question of how involved uh, are the sponsors, are they in the locker room, are they in the mm-hmm. change room, um, or should they stay in the boardroom? And then thirdly, it requires sponsors to actively protect their investment returns. Um, and that may mean kind of getting involved when the management of the sports organization uh, may leave some, some questions <coughs> there. So, okay. yeah, I, th- I, th- I don't think there's a clear answer there. Okay, good, good point. I mean, if, if they are going to sponsor, they need to protect their management. If that is seen as interference, fine, but if not, then they just won't sponsor. You, you, James, your thoughts? Well, Michael mentioned something very, very interesting. He said it has to be a partnership. Now, if the governing body brings themselves into disrepute, it could be argued that the brand comes into disrepute as well. And we're starting to see sponsors writing disrepute clauses into their contracts nowadays as well, both internationally and locally. I don't necessarily think it's that easy for sponsors to influence uh, or walk away. And we've got to remember that if we take uh, FIFA... So so you're talking both ways, to influence, to have greater say, but at the same time when they're unhappy to walk away. And it's difficult to do both. Well, it is. And the reason is, is because the sponsors of FIFA are not interested necessarily just in the 200-odd member nations. They're interested in the billions of people around the world that actually watch. So if they were purely trying to communicate with those member, member countries that are members of FIFA... Um, it would be easy for them to walk away because they're not achieving their objectives anymore because there's splits with respect to various uh, federations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got certain blocks supporting one member for an election. You've got other members supporting someone else for an election. So there's no unity within FIFA. Um, however, the unity comes from the millions of soccer fans that see football as a religion. And, and, and therefore, they would, they would still remain within that fold. Uh, Calvin, your thoughts? Well, I think, I think James is, is summarized it pretty well there. You know, it really is, is talking about, you know, for the sponsors, they're in it to talk to the fans, not in it to talk to the federations. And, you know, walking away from the game is not necessarily the right way forward, or, you know, but, but at the same time, they've obviously got to protect their businesses and, and, um, you know, their own rights in that respect. I think a, a great example, and you mentioned it early on in your introduction, was what happened with Cricket South Africa here in, in South Africa a couple mm. of years back. We saw sponsors walk away from cricket. And we saw one or two sponsors who stayed with cricket, but, but influenced a lot of, together with governments and others, the changes that have taken place. And I think Cricket South Africa is just a great example um, of what's taken place, in, you know, in this type of thing where they changed the way they did things, they changed the way they, they put together their boards, they put independent directors on. And I think today they're probably one of the best-run sports in South Africa in that respect from a governance perspective. The sponsors have worked very, very well. Some of the sponsors who stayed, South African breweries, the sponsors like Momentum who, who decided to get into the game even in those difficult periods. And I think there's one or two sponsors that walked away that probably regret the fact that they walked away from the game, although they were unhappy with what was going on in the boardroom. Um, and they've lost out that opportunity of this massive wave that cricket's gone through in the last two, three years, you know, with the Protea Fire campaigns and their success mm, on the field, mm, etc. Mm, so, mm. you know, I think it's, it's all of these summarized together. And I just think that's been a very good example of, of 
of this type of thing over the past few years, certainly from a home front perspective. Okay, I see listeners trying to contribute. If you, and I'm happy to take your calls, but if you do get on short, sharp calls, one or two is all I can take. So getting very quickly, 0891-104-207. It's an interesting one, the influence of sponsorship. We know, let's, let's take it as a given. If there's no sponsorship in sport, there is effectively no sport at the moment. That's it. It doesn't matter what. So, if sport is, and I say allegedly corrupt in certain cases there, then what role should sponsors play? Because you know no sponsor wants to be tainted with association of something corrupt. We know that. It certainly happens with individuals. Does the same apply? Think about what happened with Tiger Woods. Think about what happened with, uh, uh, with, with Oscar Pistorius in terms of, of their own careers and how sponsors get in and then get out. So, does the same principle then apply to uh, sports bodies and, and global sponsors. Hassan, I'll get to you in a minute. Uh, so, so Jay, uh, let, let, uh, Michael, rather, just give me your thoughts then in terms of, of the current FIFA scenario, in terms of what, what have, in fact, the sponsors said. So, Ashraf, you're coming to me? Yeah, Michael, go, go ahead. Sorry, I missed that. Um, yeah, well, certainly we saw uh, heading into the elections and after the elections some really strong comments from Visa and Coca-Cola and Budweiser and others. Uh, and, and those have moderated somewhat, uh, since, uh, since that is apparent resignation. Um, but, but they will continue to apply pressure, certainly publicly. And I think, you know, both, both James and Kelvin have mentioned and emphasized the difference between what happens behind closed doors and what happens publicly focused on the fans. And, and I think, you know, when you see the press statements coming out, those are press statements focused uh, on a corporate viewership, a, a stakeholder, a shareholder uh, kind of audience with a little bit about the fans. Uh, but behind closed doors, I suspect there's some very serious conversations going on. But yes, no, no um, sponsor of any major uh, property is going to walk away from decades of investment in that property and decades of investment in the fans and the kind of relationship that the sponsors build up, uh, which really is a strong emotional relationship that really sells products at the end of the day. Okay, but, but, but the other part is, if the sponsors, and the point that, that Calvin brought up earlier on, uh, if the sponsors take a greater influence, that means they don't get out, but they then dictate and they demand greater governance, um, would that be seen as interference? Michael, I'll run through all three of you. Let's just give me your thoughts first. Well, absolutely. I think it could be seen as interference by some, um, and, and certainly you know, those within the, the federation or the sporting organization they may you know, feel that their noses get put out of joint, that, uh, that, that this corporate this business is kind of coming in. Uh, and, and trying to dictate. And so, you know, there's power dynamics, and I think uh, no situation is the same as the other. I think uh, every situation is slightly unique, and, and that there are strong power dynamics. You think back to the APSA, um, the sponsorship of the PSL, and Joe Marcus's comments about how APSA was keen not just to invest the money in the PSL, but also invest management expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it with uh, the NFL here in the U.S. and the NBA with the Clippers and Donald Sterling issue. Um, and how sponsors, you know, applied pressure, walked away, and then came back. And so I think every situation is different depending on those power dynamics. Uh, and let me just say quickly as well, it's not just that brands need to be careful of toxic relationships with sports bodies, but sports bodies also need to understand when crises happen with brands and with sponsors, sports bodies similarly need to weigh up the effect on their brand and on the relationships with their fans and their consumers. Yeah, good point. Hassan and Sig, in a minute, uh, uh, give me your thoughts, James, in terms of, let's take the South African experience. I mean, Calvin's given some examples. Your thoughts in terms of where, where sponsors uh, have on the one hand, got out very quickly because they just feel it's, it's rather toxic. On the other hand, they've stayed the course and you've known that the point made, they've, they've invested from a management point and it's worked better for the sport and for sponsors as a whole, or not? Well, it goes, it goes back to what has been said previously, in that it has to be a partnership. 
Um, I think we've got some phenomenal examples locally, Castle Log and Cricket's another one, mm, mm. Um, where sponsors have stayed the course and said, look, let's all stick to our knitting. SAB are in the business of brewing beer. They're not in the business of running a sporting federation. However, the organization does have phenomenal amounts of experience in terms of management, marketing, and running of a business. And we've got to remember that sport these days is big business. Um, sports need to be run like businesses as well. Um, unfortunately, and I say this with the utmost respect, is administrators tend to have been amateurs in the past. Um, they're not business people. They're involved with the sport because they either played or they have a passion for the sport. And they don't necessarily have the managerial skills in order to actually run the federation as a, as a business, as is required nowadays. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, but with that in mind, you know, the, the point you made about a partnership, so you're saying it has to be a partnership no matter what? Absolutely. No, yes. matter, no matter how we see it, right? Now, what happens when the partnership goes slightly wrong? So, for example, again, the FIFA example, where suddenly the peers, because they didn't know that before, they never spoke about it before, there's now questions about the leadership from top to bottom. Should then that sport withdraw? And say we'll revisit you later on, or would they be scared to say by withdrawing because the, the overall brand of football is bigger than even FIFA that uh, there's a danger of just opening up to somebody else coming in? Well, it goes back to what the brand's objectives are, and we've mentioned that a couple of times already. Um, if you feel that you're not um, in a position where you can still deliver on your objectives, then you do walk away. Um, should a sporting federation come? into such disrepute that it's actually harming your brand. It's in your interest and in the protection of your brand to actually walk away. Um, and it has happened. It's, it's happened Okay, but with the FIFA now? With FIFA now, you've, you actually said it yourself. Football is bigger than FIFA. Football will always continue. It'll still be the number one sport in the world regardless of what happens to FIFA now. Someone new will come in, someone will take over, and hopefully it's someone that doesn't have an ego and he isn't necessarily egocentric and runs the operation the way it should be run. And, and that's why sponsors will stay the course, although Correct. there's a there's a separate w sense that if they all go on strike literally, uh, they will then put pressure on FIFA. Because assuming, we're speaking now with Seb Blatter having resigned, I mean a week ago we had this chat, it was that he was going to stay on for another good few years anyway. Right, let's get some calls. Hassan, uh, let's get your opinion. Hi. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, there could be a problem of uh, whether we are discussing this purely within one discipline. I mean, I think if you take a more socio-political kind of analysis, sociology and others, you would find that these uh, sponsors have played a disproportionate political role in, in undermining governance, not helping governance. Okay, give, me, mean, an, give in, me an example. Yeah. In, in, in Brazil, 1996, Nike enters and even begins to choose whether Ronaldo, uh, who's injured, should play. You know, and, uh, in, the, in that finals, you're talking the one they lost yeah, yeah, Brazil. Yeah, but, but generally, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were even beginning to get involved in selections and what media shows they could, uh, could be, the road shows they should do, and that's why I think it's partly the decline. While more money comes in, the football decline. I mean, for us, uh, I mean, and, and I speak as a happy Barcelona fan, there are disputes <laughs> within, within Barcelona fans, amongst them, about uh, ownership, whether, whether Barca should have moved away from, from uh, the UNICEF solely being the, the, the public uh, advert, of course, there's Audi and others uh, yes. beneath, but, you know, the public face. There, I think, there's a, there's a mediation where the politics, the social values of a club are trying to determine uh, how much of commercial interest the club should, ha should, should display or, or, or have. And I think what's happened is that now with Qatar Airways, there's a big, big discussion, a big fight with, amongst fans. They don't want it. A bit more 
emotional than, than, than Rio. But, you know, so I think that that discussion is there. The, fair, the, the, the football teams and sports clubs have become very much commercial entities, and the love of the game, the more amateur spirit has seemed to have been lost. Okay, got that, Hassan, and well done to your Barca team. Great football, as expected last night. Yeah. And, and the one that Massey didn't score, the three passes, uh, then he took a shot that just wind up the post. That's the one they should have gone in, but you know all about that, I'm sure. Right, thanks for that, Hassan. Sick in a minute. What, what about that? You see, uh, Calvin, the, the outright interference. Now, we, we, we don't have any proof about what happened with, with Ronaldo all those years ago, but, but do, do, do you ever get a situation where sponsors get to that level because their, their big icon has got to play? It's football jerseys uh, or, or, or rugby or whatever the case may be, and it has implications if that person does not play. Well, you know, and I think it goes back to, and unfortunately it's, it's something that we, we start talking about morals and ethics and the love of the game and all these things. Professional sport is business. And if sponsors are playing a very big part of, of, of in the business, and I think that's the thing that Michael spoke about in terms of where the power lays. You know, there's certain mm-hmm. sports where it's all about the sponsors, and the sponsors are the only people bringing in the money in, and they sort of are, are far more powerful than anywhere else. And I think the most perhaps honest sport in that respect has been cycling for many, many years. The sponsors have called the tunes, the sponsors pay the bills, and that's how it works. Um, you know, and I think people need to stop looking at professional sports and thinking about it as a love of the game situation. You know, we can talk about it from where players, when they leave clubs and go to clubs, the career decisions they make, they are making career decisions that affect them and families, etc. They're not, they're not playing for the love of the game, they're playing because it's their job. Mm-hmm. And we all like to romanticize about the fact that perhaps they, you know, that this is about love of the game and, and maybe for the fans, that's what it is and that's what it wants to be, but, it, but it's not, it's business. And certain in, in business, like in any business, sport is, it's got to make some decisions. But you see, and, that, you that's, know, that's the point precisely. It, it is ultimately power. a business, but on the other hand, it has to be packaged publicly as for the love of that particular sport. Otherwise, the human well, connection, the emotional connection will be lost to that sport completely. Right. So with that in mind, Kevin, exactly. you, you deal with lots of sponsorship. If, if someone had to ask you, if, if one of the sponsors, global sponsors, had come to you and say, would you advise us, let's take FIFA specifically, but we made the point it's not exclusively FIFA. Do we stay in or do we get out? What, what would you tell them? Well, I, I, you know, my first point, and I think it's always to where James went, football's going to be bigger than FIFA. Football's bigger than it is, and the fan base is not going to walk away from the game because of what's going on at FIFA. They still love the game. So my first point, of course, say you want to stay in here. Yeah, it's still good for business. If it was good for business yesterday before the scandal, and it's still good for business today being involved in football, stay in football. Then you've got to find a way to, you know, deal with the issues. And I think those are the sponsors that tend to have had the greatest success, the ones that understand why they're in it, that they're in it for the right reasons. You know, none of them were in it to back FIFA or set better. They were in it because of football and the fans. And, and they then need to manage themselves. You know, and obviously they, like any business, they've got to make sure whether they're mining or packing good services or how they're treating their staff. It's the same way in terms of their role. They're not involved in any of, of the activities that they look down on. And they've got to make sure that their hands are clean in that respect. So I don't believe necessarily sponsoring FIFA and sponsoring the football tournament is necessarily endorsing what FIFA does and how it operates its business. Okay. And that's similar I, to, you know, when you buy a pair of Nike shoes, or, or what are you saying? Where does it come from? And all those issues, that's do, not about Do that, we right? ask those ethical questions? Interesting one. In fact, that's the point. You know, from a listener point, you can SMS me, 34701. Think about this one here, or, or even tweet me. That, does it make a difference to you if a sport that you, that you love, that has gone all rotten, uh, if sponsors then attach themselves to the sport, and would you then want those sponsors to get out? And if they stay on, do you actually find, therefore, that you turn away against those sponsors for precisely those reasons? Examples of that we've had in the past. Uh, some, some comments before I get to sick in just a minute. Uh, Brian Kumalo saying, well, the aim of sponsorship is to get a platform for exposure to huge target markets. Therefore, they can't 
dictate on the running. Sig, quick one from you. Hi. Hello. I'm sorry to hear that, that and I don't know if it's true, uh, the allegation that Nike corrupted the damn World Cup. They corrupted the World Cup if that call of yours really tells the truth. And we cannot have... Well, it's allegations. We're talking about the, the 1998 World Cup, I think it was. We cannot, we, we cannot accept sponsors who, who, who dictate whether Ronaldo plays or doesn't play. We cannot accept such bloody dictatorship. It's, it's, I'm sorry. Got that? But a sponsor like Coca-Cola could not possibly continue subsidizing a World Cup hosted by a corrupt Arab nation or by, by Putin's Vladimir Putin's new Soviet Union, uh, if it is corrupt. Okay, we well, see that that's the point. That. At the, okay, so at the moment they're all allegations. You say the problem is it could take two, three years before you find out somebody's really corrupt. In the meantime, what should the sponsors do? Pull out and, and give the space to somebody else? Thanks, thanks for that. Right. Uh, that's really the point to think about. There's some more. Uh, Satya, I'm saying, sponsor FIFA Soccer 2010, computer scandal, not sure what that really means. Um, I've read, Ashraf, that the sponsors only account for 20% of FIFA revenue and that the real power lies with media who owns broadcasting rights. When in fact, that's another form of sponsorship, by the way. Uh, Hyundai's statement was really clever crisis management of Tundi. Uh, FIFA and this World Cup, just like the Western democracy, Free market economy, imperialism and colonialism are the domains of Western values whose aim is to uh, minate and, uh, or dominate and control the world. Uh, like from Macheba in Pretoria. Your thoughts across the board. Michael Goldman, give me your thoughts on this one here. So let's, take, let's go back to what happened in South Africa in the ni- late 1980s where in fact you had band busting tours. Cricket comes to mind. And, and there were sponsors that were attached to that. I can't remember all of the names, but I think SA Brewers possibly, and I stand to be corrected, National Panasonic maybe, but if anybody knows better than me, I don't know. Now, now isn't that a good example where they, they were prepared to latch themselves to a tournament that they know was morally wrong? Did they, did they get negativity around it? Did, was there a response, even from people now, to say, well, forget about knocking the politicians. You guys themselves were, were guilty of actually ensuring a tour went on. What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, I think, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty vision, and I think for many of those brands, they wanted to be on the right side of history. Uh, and, and, and perhaps, you know, at the end of the day, they, they may have been caught on the wrong side of history. But if you're trying to build a business in that context and you find yourself in that situation, given those socio-political and geopolitical contexts, what do you do? You make the best strategic decision based on the information available. Uh, and, and that really talks to who's your market, uh, what kind of products, and how are you best uh, competing in that marketplace. And sport at the end of the day is just one of those platforms that businesses use to reach a certain target market. Uh, and so I, I think these decisions that, that we look at and, and we see all this politics and we see all this, these power issues and they're certainly there. But at the end of the day, as, as we, we've said, you know, it comes down to a strong business decision. How is, how am I going to get return on investment that's going to be about awareness, that's going to be about brand meaning and it's going to be about sales, mm-hmm. um, from this investment. Okay. And, and I need to weigh up uh, all the other stuff and noise around that uh, when I make that decision. Okay, but as far as uh, business decisions are concerned, James, I mean, is there a, never a danger that if, if sponsors are there because they, they want to sell to a broader market, but what happens, is there not a danger the broader market will turn against a sponsor when they find the sponsor has, let's call it, just propped up a dictator, if, if that is how it's perceived? And it's not rugby, not, not, we're not talking FIFA only, we're talking across the board. You know, I think it comes down to the way that they market the message to um, the support base of that particular sport. You know, you 
spoke earlier about um, sponsors that were involved with those rebel tours. Mm, mm. The marketing and communication message was very, very cleverly put to the market in that, you know, we're bringing sport back to the country. We're not necessarily supporting an apartheid regime. Um, and they try to stay away from a lot of those narratives. So the way that particularly FIFA brands now are communicating to the, to the market um, dictates that there isn't necessarily going to be fallout for them. People are not going to turn against Coca-Cola because they support FIFA. You might find a handful of people, quite honestly, but the bulk of them, the vast majority, are going to carry on drinking Coca-Cola. Because if they take that to the logical extreme, they may say, well, stop playing soccer, even at junior level, until FIFA gets cleaned up, and that's not right. going to happen, which is interesting. Just, just sure, we've got about three minutes to go. Some thoughts then very quickly, James, and I'll run to the other guys as well. In terms of good examples of, 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 of good partnerships between sport and sponsors. I think there's hundreds and thousands um, around the world. You know, any time that a sponsor achieves its objectives, which at the end of the day has to be bottom line sales, um, through associating themselves with a sporting body, um, is going to be a positive for them. Um, we have numerous examples, and that's why sport works. That's why sport is big business. Um, you know, my final comment really would be, where to now from f- for FIFA? How do they fix everything up? How do they clean up shop? Um, and unfortunately, it's got to be a change of God. Which, which, which appears now to be happening. As I said, if we had this chat last week, it would be a different discussion completely. Cal- Calvin, you want to add to that? Well, I think James is quite right. You know, I think there's plenty, plenty examples, and I think the easiest way to look at the good ones are the ones that continue to renew. So if we look in a South African context and you look at Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates, their sponsors have pay- stayed with them over multiple renewal phases. Kenny is good for business. Um, South African rugby, a long run with ABSA, um, both at a national team level at a Curry Cup. It must be good for business. Um, Comrades Marathon and some of its sponsors are into their third, fourth, fifth renewal phases. Two Oceans Marathon into renewal phase of five or six times. And I think we can go through sport. And, you know, anywhere you've seen corporates renew, it's clearly good for business. And, you know, so I think there are numerous examples. Okay. And, and Michael, let me leave you with this. Is there anything that you've picked up in terms of what sponsors have said or have not said regarding the, 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 the FIFA issue right now? Well, certainly I think what's been most interesting is to see the different categories of sponsors. So what industry are they in? Uh, you know, so the type of, of business that you're in dictates the kind of brand and, and, and regulation and, and customers you're after. So Visa clearly as a financial service provider um, has to think a little bit harder about their reputation uh, and the, the, the knock-on effect, the brand transfer, the image transfer from these kinds of issues as opposed to perhaps some fast-moving consumer goods uh, companies uh, that would be a little bit less worried uh, about these kinds of things. We saw exactly the same thing with Tiger Woods, how Nike was Responded, uh, and stuck with him versus Accenture that had to step away because of that, uh, you know, consulting advisory kind of role and their brand dependent on it. So I think that's what you're seeing in these communications. You're seeing the PR guys spin very cleverly to, to show a support for the sport, to show a support for the ongoing development of the sport, but to turn away from the challenges facing the organization. And that's really driven by you know, what kind of industry they're in and what their brand objectives are about. Okay, there's a quick call from Pam. Pam, let's just get okay. your thoughts. Uh, let me just get you quickly. Okay, go ahead. Hi. 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 Yeah, just a, a quick question. Um, in this interim phase where, where sponsors are repositioning themselves and, and FIFA is being uh, kind of realigned, um, or restructured, how outrageous would it be to consider countries individually sponsoring the World Cup, let's say for two World Cups? There's no sponsorship at all, no Visa, no Nike. It is countries alone using their budgets 
to make the tournament happen. I'd, okay. I'd like to hear your thoughts. In- interesting one. Uh, my, and I'll get a response. My gut feeling is countries just don't have that much money. Uh, that's what I think. My, my, you, can, you can give me your thoughts on that, James. You're 100% right. I mean, um, to host a World Cup, um, to deliver the kind of revenues that FIFA generate, I, I don't think any country is going to you know, solely stand. Um, at the end of the day, that's going to be public money. And public money has to be accountable to the public, and the public is not going to stand for that. And, and they need to pay that much, uh, or pay enough to account, uh, to account, let's say FIFA, for all the sponsors. Uh, then there's brand saturation. Why would they need to pay that much when they've got a company brand? Billions. Okay, so that's the answer. Thanks for your time. All three of you guys appreciate it. Uh, fascinating insights. Michael Goldman in where? San Francisco, LA. I'm not sure where you are right now. Uh, James Minty, thanks for your time. And Calvin Watt from Rapicom, appreciate your input as well.